Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the vault on this brand new podcast dedicated to all things HBO's Tales from the Crypt. But before we can go into the vault, consider this kind of a casual meet and greet for the three of us. We think it's very important for you to meet your hosts before you dive into any show or follow us into any dark back alleys. So this is just an introduction to who we are, why we've decided to take on this project, and just give you a little bit of insight into our tastes and what makes us tick. But before we really get into all the meat, dig up those bones, if you will, I'd like to go ahead and introduce my two co-hosts who will be joining me for this expedition into the macabre, starting with, hey, what's going on, petrifying Preston? That's me. Oh, man, it's good to be here. This has been a long time coming, Hunter. We're going to have a lot of fun with this kind of get-to-know-you episode, but we're all, I think I can speak for all of us, so excited to dig into Tales from the Crypt episode by episode, obviously. Yeah, we're going to talk about it in a couple minutes, but we have been planning for a while. It's been in my brain for several years now, and we've talked between the two of us for probably two years at this point, so... Very exciting stuff. Now, Preston, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. Your role on the show, you are going to be considered our comic historian. And uh, <laughs> while this is definitely a show dedicated to Tales from the Crypt, the television series, we think it's pretty important to pay homage to the inspiration that made it all happen. So that is your that is your title, if we're going ahead and giving those out so far. Hey, that's a big crown to wear, and considering the love we all have for EC Comics, uh, clearly can't wait to start flipping through those pages and uh, getting into it, man, because all these episodes are obviously based on a classic comic series, right? A a classic comic story, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Now, Preston, you aren't the only one joining me, like I said at the top, or if you're just smart and you looked at the podcast cover art. You know, we have one other person on this show. So, Devilish Dan, why don't you go ahead and make your deviously delightful first appearance? Oh, Hunter, it's been so long that we've been talking about this, probably since you and I have even been friends. You you mentioned it right away of, hey, my name's Hunter. I would love to do a Tales from the Crypt podcast one day. I think I opened <laughs> so, up with that. Yeah, it was on my business card for a while. I said, that sounds awesome. And then like three later, we're f- three years later, we're finally doing it. We're finally doing it, man. I am. I'm so excited. I mean, a lot of that, Preston, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you and I on one of my other shows, we did a Secrets of the Crypt Keepers Haunted House game show episode with friend of all three of us, Mr. John Sebastian. And I feel Ew. like... Yeah, I know, John, right? Uh, <laughs> but that kind of kickstarted this where it was like, maybe we're on to something. And then Dan and I really hit it off. I mean, heck, we've done horror movie bracket episodes on that other podcast, and our friendship really solidified through that. So when we started to, fig- when I started to figure out the groundwork for the show, that was about five years ago, I just knew I wanted it to be a celebration of the creative talent involved. You know, we're going to talk about the episodes and the stories and the comics and everything like that. But the real appeal for Tales from the Crypt for me was just the absolutely insane amount of creative talent that worked on this series, just from head to toe, completely stacked. And that's actually where Dan comes in because he's taken on the very hefty responsibility of researching all the creative talent involved and just making sure that everyone gets their due. And, uh, Dan, you've you've got your work cut out for you, man. We've got seven seasons to get through. 
keeping track of all the denizens of the crypt. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm only about halfway through making notes through season one and uh, it's already pretty chunky. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into uh, on the next episode when we actually talk about the pilot episode of Tales from the Crypt. We're going to talk about some of those key players. We're not going to do that tonight. Well, you know what? This episode's going up the same time as two additional ones. So hopefully you're starting here. But if you started off with episode one, we understand. But that's where we're going to talk about the key players. And then each episode following that, we're going to dive into the specific talent involved in those episodes. So now let's go ahead and um, I would just like to introduce me. So finally, that that's me, Hunter. So I'm going to be covering the episodes themselves. So from the minute the lightning cracks on the title theme until we crash back through the gate, I'm going to hit it all. The Crypt Keeper segments, the episode, um, just, just really give you kind of a play-by-play. My goal is not to transcribe the entire episode. You should definitely go watch these things. But I want to give you a scene-through-scene run of, you know, notable moments and character motivations and fun little details that we found. This is a a watch along podcast. I'm sure you've probably listened to a couple of these types of shows before we're doing. We're pulling out all the stops for this thing. So and we might be cra- we might be cracking wise too. You're not just going to be rambling on telling us what happened. We'll 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 throw a couple jokes in there while you go. Oh yeah. I'm already looking at the the script for later on and uh there's definitely some smart ass comments in here. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh Oh yes. Yeah. Between the two of you guys like it's it's going to be a riot. I'm sure people are going to be annoyed <laughs> of us by the 30 minute mark. I do want to go ahead and thank the forefathers who kind of set the groundwork here for us and uh, have done the Tales from the Crypt uh, podcast thing before. So namely, those are podcasts like Dads from the Crypt, uh, Chronicles from the Crypt and Tales from the Podcast. And I just want to say, hey, guys, if you're checking this out, which I know we are a small but mighty community. Thank you for doing that. We're here just like you guys to bring awareness to something that means so much to us and just really celebrate the uh, Tales from the Crypt series. This is something that obviously means a lot to all of us, especially if we're dedicating time out of our day to sit and talk about these things. These are the conversations that we've had with people over the years, but get them recorded and, and have those conversations and have other people join the journey with us. That's one of the most exciting things. And yeah, I just felt it was important to give you all a shout. And um, yeah, we're not here to step on any toes and we're not here to uh, steal any shine or anything like that. But uh, we think we've got a fun perspective and we're really excited to dive into Horrors from the Vault. Listen, there's, there's room for plenty of podcasts. I've listened to probably 12 different Twin Peaks podcasts, and I've taken <laughs> something different away from every single one of them. Yeah, that's I a agree. good call. And there's there's nothing better than just like finding a podcast or multiple where you just feel like you have found your people, you know, and something so mm-hmm. iconic as Tales from the Crypt. I mean, there is so much to say regarding this series. So yeah, we're, we're just super happy to be here, obviously, and Starting with next episode, dig into the series, man. That's what we're here to do. So I figured let's go ahead and introduce you to ourselves and we can talk a little bit about our history with Tales from the Crypt. So again, my name's Hunter and uh, I'm very fortunate. I've been uh, a little bit of a podcast veteran for a while. I've been, uh, like I said, I've been very fortunate to work on several highly regarded podcasts, whether that was uh, on this very network. I'm one of the co-hosts for the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, a tribute to all things Halloween Horror Nights, we've covered each one of the years in order 
very proud of that show. I am also the main singing bust, the main host of Grim Grinning Host, which started off as a theme park podcast and moved into uh, pop culture over the years. And then finally, I am also part of Disorder Every Disney Film, where we've looked back in a very similar vein to what we're going to do here on every single theatrically released Disney animated picture over on the Real Fans for Real Movies podcast network. That's been a blast and I've really enjoyed it. But you know what? That sounds like a lot, but I'm a huge horror fan. And like I said at the top, this has been a dream project for me for about five years to finally be sitting here working with, you know, two of my best friends, two of the best guys. We talk about everything all the time. The group chat's always popping. It's just a nightmare come true, and I love it. And Tales from the Crypt is, you know, I am a 90s kid. usually hate the label, but in this case, I'll embrace it. Tales from the Crypt kind of, it was one of those big horror jumping off points for me where I was definitely a terrified kid. I was not into any of this, but I remember my parents watching Tales from the Crypt growing up and experiencing the Crypt Keeper, who still... I love him. He's in my house now, thanks to a you know a recent animatronically <laughs> release. He still terrifies the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> he's he's creepy, but I do love him. And I'm just I remember fondly the um, the Tales from the Crypt Halloween decoration that we had, which is the one that you can still find online, which is him holding the candelabra and pouring over the book. It's classic decoration. And I even asked my mom not too long ago. She still had that thing. She's like, no, we got rid of that like 20 years ago. But I still think of him. I'm going to give it, get one on eBay pretty soon. But uh, yeah, when I rediscovered Tales from the Crypt, that was actually part of the, do you guys remember the Chiller network? Oh, that yeah. Was on TV oh yeah. For a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chiller had all the reruns and Tales from the Crypt was definitely part of that. Um, so I watched it pretty much until Chiller went off the air and then the DVD sets came along. And that was kind of where I really cemented my fandom with it. And uh, like I said, when you're re-watching these things and you're looking at the sheer amount of talent involved, you can't help but just want to celebrate that and, and give it a platform and just really enjoy it with your friends. And I, I've gone full head over heels for Tales from the Crypt again, and uh, I'm just really excited to be here, guys. I, ho I hope you can tell that. So, Preston, we started off with you with the introductions. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, man, it's just an incredible pleasure to be here, you know, bouncing around on various uh, Real Fans for Real Movies podcasts, or Grim Grinning Hosts being one of them, obviously. Love talking horror with these guys, and to have a podcast of its own to kind of call home, that is going to be such uh, such fun, and especially with us recording and putting episodes out so regularly. I mean, there's going to be a lot of great content with this thing. No doubt about that. My history with Tales from the Crypt, you know, Hunter, you, you stole my thunder with the whole 90s kid reference, right? Because when you say you're a 90s kid, I mean, you automatically think of that Crypt Keeper imagery, right? I mean, this dude was everywhere on HBO on Saturday mornings. You know, we were talking about the game show we covered on Grim Grinning Host. Dude made an appearance in Casper for crying out loud. I mean, all over the place. So iconic. And, uh, you know, as we briefly kind of hit on early in this episode, and as Dan's going to get into in our later episodes, obviously, 
what an unbelievable amount of talent that assembled to work under one roof for uh, this amazing series for so many seasons, obviously. So uh, yeah, my memories really start in the 90s, uh, kind of like you, Hunter. My dad was a big watcher of this. So I always remember you know, having it on in the background to a certain degree. I always remember, quite frankly, being a little bit disturbed by the Crypt Keeper himself, right? Who wouldn't be when you're like seven? So uh, this is going to be so much fun, again, just to dive in to this series episode by episode. We're all massive horror guys here. I mean, I think you should know what you're getting into when you're getting in this podcast. So yeah, let's get into it, man. Dan, what about you, man? What's your, uh, what's your kind of history with this series? Because I'm not, I'm not sure if I know. Yeah. I mean, it's no one's, it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. I, I'm the elder statesman of this group. I'm, I'm an old <laughs> man compared to these other young whippersnappers. Um, my parents did not watch this unlike these other two guys. So uh, when I was left alone, let me, let me take you back a little bit, get in the way back machine to look at little, little man, Dan back in the eighties and early. Yeah. Little Dan before there was internet, you had limited <laughs> options to see nudity and ladies of the night. One of those was a JC Penney's or Sears catalog, or if you're really lucky, an old, old uh, playboy of your dad's or your older brother's, anything like that. Problem sure. with that is you got to hide them somewhere. So, you know, those aren't great to keep around. <laughs> if you're lucky, there is a TV show or a TV uh, channel called the Spice Network. I don't know if you guys know about the Spice Network. But the Spice Network was a all porn all the time uh, channel. Uh, but the problem is, unless you had a descrambler, it was scrambled all the time. But sometimes you could see a boob, and that was great. If it wasn't, if it wasn't super scrambled, you might see a boob. But sometimes you, know you could see the crypt keeper. You know, well, well, it's out. funny you bring that up. You know where else you <laughs> might see a boob? On HBO's free weekends. HBO every once in a while would turn their shit on for one weekend, so you, they could tease you, get a little. Little little nom nom, <laughs> little little titillation, if you <laughs> little, will. Little little titillation, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. so young young whippersnappers like us would go on there and be like, "Oh, there's gonna be tits on here. I can't wait to see these tits. This is gonna be great." And sometimes <laughs> sometimes you didn't see tits. You saw a wrinkled old creepy old skeleton man, mm. and that was the crypt keeper. And you you came for the tits, but you stayed for the crypt keeper once you realized, <laughs> "Wow, this is some pretty good horror." And sometimes if you're super lucky, super duper lucky. There was tits with the Crypt Keeper. So basically, that's my full history with it. Uh, I, I it. Yeah, obviously, that's where I got started. Um, they syndicated it for a while uh, on network TV. Of course, they cut out a lot of the good stuff, a lot of the sex, a lot of the violence, a lot of the swearing. So it wasn't quite as good. Um, and then I kind of fell off of it for years until COVID hit. And I bought the big, chunky box set, had to chase it down, finally found a good copy at Walmart that wasn't a bootleg. Uh, and I was like, all right, COVID hit. I got nothing to do. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to go through this whole series. Finally, from A to Z got about a season and a half, maybe two in before depression really hit in. And I just stared out the window for the rest of it. So I'm actually not super familiar with most of the series still. So I've seen a lot of them, not in the correct order and many not for decades. So Oh, I can't wait. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I'm purposely kind of waiting till the last minute to actually watch them and take notes before we record. Uh, so they're going to be as fresh as possible. 
Ah, yeah, that that's really awesome because I knew that was your game plan going in, but just reaffirming that, that, you know, everything is, you know, you've got the experience, but it is going to be fresh, is going to be awesome to have that perspective because Tales from the Crypt is something that I've personally kept up with over the last couple of years, but I've always relied on my favorite episodes, right? I, I will go back and watch you know, whether it's Disney movies, whether it's albums, whether it's whatever, you find your favorites and you stick with those, right? And you kind of revisit the well whenever you want a hit of that sweet, sweet Crypt Keeper dust. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally get it because a lot of this is, while it's not necessarily new, it might as well be because I am going to be experiencing this, you know, the, the series with fresh eyes in a lot of ways, just like you. And I, that's part of the appeal of it is sitting down and really analyzing the episodes where, you know, when you've seen something so many times, it, it doesn't become background noise because you enjoy it and you love it, but you learn the beats and, and maybe you don't give it the attention and care that it deserves. And sitting here, not with a analytical lens, but really just diving in and absorbing it in its fullest way that's what's super appealing about this this project for me and uh, especially doing it with you uh too it's it's gonna be good you know yeah, gonna, I, i'll go ahead dan I, I was just gonna say it's gonna be exciting because like you said there, there are certain episodes that still stick out in my mind to the day till, till this day uh that i haven't seen for probably 20 30 years um maybe not that long but it'll be interesting to see if those are really as high of a watermark as i have in my mind and maybe some others will pop up even further I think that what's going to be so interesting watching, you know, a lot of these episodes with fresh eyes is this thing was so ahead of its time. And I say that for both the series itself and the comics. I mean, it's really unbelievable the stories that they were telling in this thing back in the early 50s. So I, I really look forward to kind of digging into just all of this um, again with fresh eyes, you know, Dan not having seen, you know, a number of the episodes and things that's that's really exciting. Yeah, you mentioned the comics real quick. Like EC Comics blew up the industry so much that they they kind of ruined the industry. They got basically yeah. shut down, <laughs> shut down by the the other major labels against you know the crypt. Yeah, Doctor Wortham thing. and Seduction yeah. of the Innocent. Jesus Christ, that guy. But uh, if anyone owns the DVD box set um, that was put out a couple of years ago, there's a really great history of EC Comics on that second disc that is way better than I was expecting to be. Oh, just nice. Thrown up. Yeah, so check that out. Yeah, it is very good. I will also vouch for it, especially considering that disc only has two bonus features and one of them is a total fluff piece. It's entertaining enough where it's like, all right, whatever. The, like the Crypt Keepers reading the IMDb page to me. <laughs> and then the other one, the full documentary is very good. I think it's about 55 minutes, Preston, when you do check it out. Um, but yeah, Dan, I got to say, just because I haven't had an opening to say this, you're talking about seeing boobs and seeing the crypt keeper and all yeah. i can imagine is that scene from dream warriors where it's nurse <laughs> ready but it's the crypt keeper instead can we can we get a mock-up of that can we work on that for this episode that's my halloween costume this year oh i love oh. it oh supple <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying preston <laughs> no nothing nothing <laughs> Let me let me slap around them Crypt Keeper teats. Motorboat the Crypt Keeper. I was disturbed by his face. I, yeah. now, now we're at a different level. It's the opening of uh, Wedding Crashers with Vince Vaughn. It's the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> oh, God. Numerous racks. 
Um, <laughs> so before this derails too much, but yeah, that's a little bit about us and our history with uh, the Tales from the Crypt, but we thought it would be fun with this just being an introduction podcast where you're meeting us and kind of kind of getting a feel for what we like. We thought it would be fun just to talk about five of our favorite horror movies. That way you kind of get a feel for, you know, the horror stuff that, that we really enjoy. Um, this isn't going to be a deep dive. This isn't going to be a ranked list or anything like that. But I challenge the guys just real quick. Let's talk about five of our favorite horror movies. That way, maybe when we start giving our severed thumbs up, uh, later on, that's our ranking system. We have severed thumbs. Thanks, Ebert and Roper. Severed um, thumbs. Severed thumbs. Um, <laughs> w- when we get into that, this will give you a little bit of an idea for the stuff that we like and we enjoy and maybe kind of where our headspace is. We will talk about why episodes get the the rating that they do, but you know, it's hard to avoid any sort of bias, especially when it comes to horror stuff. We know what we like. So actually, Dan, why don't you kick off this one? Why don't you talk about some of your favorite horror movies? Yeah, I'll, I'll go through my employee picks real quick. Um, again, this isn't really a top five. It is more of a get to know me, but they all d- do belong on my top horror list um, in no apparent order. I'm going to start off with Psycho, which was really my full introduction to horror, uh, kind of that proto slasher. Uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock being the all-time greatest director, possibly. Uh, yeah, and it, it introduced the slasher to the horror genre. I know a lot of people argue that it was Peeping Tom, Psycho, depends on where you land. I go with Psycho. Um, continuing on with the slasher, Scream is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, it's kind of the final thought in the slasher genre that started with Psycho, went through Halloween, went through Friday, went through you know, Chucky and Nightmare, and kind of ended with Scream, and it hasn't gotten much better since. There has not been a good slasher that can outdo Scream since 1994. Six? Six. 1996, sorry. 1994 was The Crow, uh, which isn't on my list, but probably should be. Uh, next, Trick or Treat. Uh, speaking of anthologies, just like Tales from the Crypt, I love Trick or Treat. The uh, 2007 one, the Mike Doherty one, not the 1980s one about heavy metal. Um, which again, is also great. and it's Which is great. also great, but it's completely yeah. different. Yeah, <laughs> Very yeah. different. Yes. Uh, I love me some anthology, especially when they wrap around and tie, uh, you know, bits and pieces tie into each other. Uh, and it also has those great uh, Northeast fall vibes. Uh, that movie is oh, yeah. 100% October in your bloodstream. Oh, uh, delicious. Uh, speaking of great looking movies, Midsummer. Uh, I know it's probably going to sound a little hoity-toity, but it tells you how much I love folk horror and uh, kind of more thoughtful horror. Uh, not to sound, again, too hoity-toity, but Midsummer, I think, is one of the best movies that has come out in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check that shit out. Dan, did I just hear your pinky extend a little bit talking yes. about Midsummer? Oh, yeah. Just, just a hair. I, I, I know. If anyone of us is going to be the, <laughs> the snobby horror guy, it's probably going to be me. Hey, you know, I'm right there with you with Midsummer, man. I love it. Yeah. Well, which brings me to my next snobby horror pick, Donnie Darko. Um, again, you're most annoying college friend told you how great Donnie Darko is. And I'm going to continue to tell you how great Donnie Darko is. What did Uh, I send you the other day to not to interrupt you, but it was like, um, 12 more reasons. Your dealer thinks that Donnie Darko is the greatest film ever made. (laughs) No, 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 it wasn't it. Uh, 
12 reasons why your dealer is telling you why the director's cut of Donnie Darko is the <laughs> better that version. Is, there you go. <laughs> and straight away, not a laugh reaction, no haha, no LOL. You were like, no, 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 no. Look. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what I said. I said, no, no, no. Well, listen, 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 bud, listen. <laughs> the director's yeah. cut is not a better version of Donnie Darko, but you should see the director's cut after you see the initial one and then go back because you can understand what the fuck is going on in Donnie Darko a lot more if you watch the director's cut. Preston, why don't you go ahead and hit me with your horror movie picks? Hey man, got five good ones for you. That's for sure. Excited to uh, excited to note these here. Um, first and foremost, listen. If you know me, you know where I'm going first. You know where my heart lies. Okay, favorite film of all time, 1978, John Carpenter's. Halloween. What more could possibly be said? Absolutely nothing other than it's, uh, again, my favorite movie of all time, horror or not. So, you know, that's kind of where I have to start lists such as these. So, uh, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I'm just going to move right along. Halloween number one, for sure. And the rest in no particular order, necessarily. I have to give some massive love to the Southern set vampire flick that is from dusk till dawn another one of my just general all-time favorites george clooney one of the coolest characters of all time as far as i'm concerned love me uh, some from dusk till dawn harvey Keitel. i'm a big tarantino guy so that script mm, awesome good stuff from rodriguez as well um hey a pivotal 80s classic here no doubt about it the lost boys come on another vampire flick a little bit of a theme here um love the lost boys hunter thank you for the slip by the way you're the man uh for that <laughs> no problem. coming in clutch for that 4k right uh, us collectors right. us collectors keep stealing you know. them from best buy for we, you <laughs> we gotta have it hunter's willing to go to jail for us i love it um, that's right Love the Lost Boys, uh, whether it's the Corys, you know, whether it's Sutherland. Come on, give me a break. Um, one of my favorite horror comedy kind of stoner flicks, Idle Hands. Yes, I am a Whoa. huge Idle Hands flick. Oh, who was that? I did not realize that you're such a big Idle Hands fan. Oh, man. Yes, absolutely. A super nostalgic movie for me. I've actually noted this in the past, um, but Idle Hands was hilariously the first DVD that I ever saw. Um, kind of blew my mind back uh, in the late 90s. Devin Sawa, Jessica Alba. Come on, man. This is uh, this is a classic. Love Idle Hands. And this is a little bit, I hope, I hope you guys allow me to throw this in. It's a little bit of a cheat, but Come on. I mean, it doesn't get more spooky season than uh, Walt Disney's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I mean, Uh, uh, I'll let it slide. All right. I I appreciate that, man. I mean, just um, just one of the all timers. And, you know, I I can really speak for all of us here. I mean, as Dan put, he he had a lot of diversity in his list, but we, we all have such a diverse liking, I feel like. So whether something's animation, whether it's, you know, G rated or whether it's, you know, something at the, you know, tippy top of the R rating borderline NC 17, you know, we're all over the place with this stuff. So, um, love the legend of sleepy hollow. It is an absolute must every single spooky season. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to wrap up my list there with again, Halloween from dust till dawn, the lost boys, idle hands and the legend of sleepy hollow. I think that's a good handshake five for you right there. 
unashamedly, I my favorite horror movies are a lot of really big ones, fan favorite ones. And I just think it's time where we accept that populist picks are totally okay because there's a reason that they have the reputation that they do. And I have no shame in telling you that one of my favorite horror movies is so-and-so and not Demon Sluts from Hell, volume 14, that was exclusively <laughs> released in Mexico. Like, we love shit like that. We love our Vinegar Syndrome discs. But the truth is, my favorite stuff is really not any of that. So let's go ahead and start with the most obvious possible pick for this type of show. Come on, guys. It's Creep Show. You know uh, how much I love Creep Show. It is the um, definitive. Yeah definitive anthology it had to be on here and creep show is just you know it is inspired by all of the ec comics back in the day and i feel like creep show even though they had a very different approach was part of the hey we can do this for tales from the crypt and i i think we just deserve to give that movie some major props it definitely has the reputation that it does because it's so beloved and it's one of my all-time favorites i Love Creep Show. Not to uh, interrupt, but yeah, real real quick. Even yeah, the Creep ahead. Show, the Creep Show relaunch, the TV show that came out on Shutter is yeah. basically wannabe Tales from the Crypt. I mean, it's it's formatted exactly like Tales from the Crypt, except for the Creep Show, Creep, whatever we call him, doesn't talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. creep. I feel like if he did talk, it would be one of those things where they're like, "Oh, you're just doing Tales from the Crypt," even though they already are. Yeah. And as much as I do like a, a fair a fair amount of those creep show episodes. It just doesn't compare. And and a lot of that comes down to the talent involved with these tales from the crypt seasons. Like no, no shade thrown to the creep show team or anything like that. But you know, you're just talking about some of the top filmmaking talent in the world. Got to work on the tales from the crypt series. And while we're getting a lot of genre actors and genre experts with creep show, it's, it's just not one-to-one. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm so happy that that started your list, Hunter, because I was like, yeah, I mean, I know that's going to be in your top five, but if you don't start with that one, like, I'm going to be worried you're being held hostage or something, because, yeah. come on. Well, no, like I said, creep show. it's the obvious pick. Every every show, you know, does a creep show review. It's It's that influential. Everybody's got their own favorite segment, and hey... Universal Art and Design. If you're listening, I'm still waiting on that Creep Show house. Make it happen. Oh, let's go. Yeah. <sighs> My favorite horror movie of all time. I've said it for years. It's no surprise. It is the movie that got me to go to Halloween Horror Nights in the first place. Of course, I'm talking about an American Werewolf in London. What I'm saying and why I'm bringing that up, even though there's, you know, there's probably a little bit of overlap with the HHN audience, but you're here for Tales from the Crypt. But the reason I bring that up. This is my favorite horror movie of all time. It is in my top four, top three movies of all time. This thing moves me. It gets me to do things that I'm outside of my comfort zone, like terrorizing the English and running around naked and sleeping in zoos. Like that all comes from this movie. (laughs) I've been inspired by it. But I think in American Werewolf in London, it is the perfect horror comedy. One has never been done to the same level since. Um, Of course, everybody always talks about the makeup, but what really grounds it for me is just the amazing performances um, throughout this thing. I think it absolutely is a classic, and I'm glad to see it be regarded as such and pretty much has been since release. I absolutely love An American Werewolf. Hear, hear. Yeah. 
kind of along the same lines as far as very popular picks, but something that means a lot to me. I'm going to talk about Toby Hooper's Poltergeist. Um, this is just one of the all-star movies of all time, in my opinion. It is the perfect ghost story. It's a perfect family movie. It's full of humor. It's full of scaries. It's full of uh, face ripping and moving stakes. What's not the like? Come on, Poltergeist, you've seen it. It's terrified your mom, probably terrified you at one point. It's great. My, um, I, I guess maybe my weirdo pick out of my lineup here, even though this is also very well beloved. I am talking about Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. I love my classic Universal Monsters movies, and you throw that together with my favorite slasher of all time, Mr. Jason Voorhees. You have a recipe for success. The humor is off the charts. This, despite being um, one of the more toned down Friday the 13th, it scratches every single itch for me. I think it is the perfect slasher. It's got the perfect balance of everything. Dan, you brought up Scream earlier. This definitely had a heavy inspiration on Scream, at least in my opinion. And uh, I just think it's perfect. Just a blast, right? I mean, that is the most fun Friday movie, in my opinion. Oh, it's a hard rock summer, dude. All day long. <laughs> is that the one where the guy eats the enchiladas? No, that's no. Friday Five. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. I like that one a lot. It was those damn enchiladas. Um, and then finally, uh, my newest addition to the list. I always break it up where I'm like, this is my favorite modern horror movie, and an American Werewolf in London is my favorite classic horror movie. I am talking about Cabin in the Woods. I think that it's yeah. just a work of art. Like all of these are, and I'm going to keep saying that every single one of them is perfect. But Cabin in the Woods is how you do a third act in my opinion okay you've got this very straightforward horror movie you're doing some interesting things but you know what it's pretty straightforward and then it has that ultimate holy shit moment and i think it had to be on this list especially because we're talking about tales from the crypt which is known for its big twists and turns and, and a lot of its best material and the cabin of the woods is one of the best to ever do it yeah, man, I, there's probably some younger uh, audience members listening that, you know, maybe have, are halfway on their horror journey and they've seen this talked about. See this one after you've seen a lot of other stuff and it'll hit a lot harder because it is the most generic horror movie you've ever seen until it's not the most generic horror movie <laughs> you've ever seen. It's just something on a whole other level. Cabin in the Woods is one of those movies that makes me appreciate other movies more. Kind of like what you're just saying there, Dan. Like, when I was coming up in my horror journey, by the time Cabin in the Woods had come out, I had seen a, a lot of schlock. I had seen a lot of bullshit by that point, right? And Cabin in the Woods, after you watch it, you can go back and watch those relatively shitty movies again and be like, well, goddamn, it all makes sense now. They're being controlled <laughs> by little vents in the floor and scents and pheromones and everything. It all comes together and uh, it works for me. I know it doesn't work for everybody. Some people are not into hoity-toity is not the phrase, but they're not into the kind of smart aleck approach that it takes where the hee-hee-ha-ha. Yeah, we're totally into it. Yeah totally into it but yeah those are my five and like i said maybe they're the most basic picks but i had to be honest with myself and say hey this is what i like i think this represents me as a horror fan and the the sort of stuff that i really enjoy i enjoy slashers i enjoy your your mega mainstream slashers i enjoy a good anthology i love a horror comedy i do enjoy a fun family drama underneath that that spooky guys and then finally i'm all for a crazy twist at the end Mm hmm. Fellas, let me just say this. I mean, if I uh, had no clue who you guys were and you laid those five movies on me, each of you, 
listen, we're going to be friends. That's the way it is. I like it. <laughs> Boys, That's I can't right. wait. This is going to be such a journey. Such a journey. Oh, Dan, you've been, I've actually, both of you have been holding out on me. We have made a pact not to talk <laughs> about the episodes before we record it. So this is going to be interesting because I don't know, like, I'm sitting down to find out, do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you kind of <laughs> like it? What are your problems with it? That is just as exciting for me as watching the episode in a lot of ways because I get to know what you guys think. And that's gonna, that's fun. I'm going to trash every fucking episode. Every that's right. A piece of shit. One severed Richard star. Richard Donner's a piece of shit. <laughs> Zemeckis hasn't made a good fucking movie <laughs> since, what, 92? Romance in the Stone is his only good movie. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was after that. So uh, we'll, there you go. We'll let it slide. We'll give yeah, him that one. Get over it. It's a perfect movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll we'll do the full rigmarole next time. Let you guys know where you can find us. But hey, go ahead and just keep it playing because uh, coming right up is episode one of Horrors from the Vault, where once again we are covering the man who was deaf. 